Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Father, we, we want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, we, we realize, God, that we are living in a broken world and that we are not of this world, but we are in this world and we are living with our eyes set on eternity. But Lord, we are, God, this side of eternity, God, there's a lot of things to navigate through. But we thank you for the promise of your presence. We thank you, God, for a gift um, like Justin, a gift that you've placed also inside of Justin to, to be able to just bring good news through song. We pray a blessing and just your anointing over him. We thank you for children, God. We thank you, like Andrew prayed, God, that you place the children in families, God. You are our father when we were fatherless. So, Lord, I pray, God, as, as we as just come to deliver a message this morning, I pray that, that you would come and speak through me, and that which is not of you, God, that you would um, just put a filter in front of my mouth, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, the sermon's entitled, Come to Me, and uh, I'm going to unpack it a little bit. But what I love about Justin's last song that he, that he did um, was just how it, it really it tells a story. Aren't you all a little bit more curious about what was the background to that story, or to the song at least? And uh, just, just to kind of tag on to something Christine shared about our journey of, of adoption, um, in, the, in, the, in the run-up to whether we, um, or while we were busy with the screening process, um, we, we had neighbors on the village in Durban um, from Scotland, and they had friends coming to visit um, to, to just visit them, actually. And they asked whether they can use our cot, the baby bed. And we said, yeah, sure, you can, you can use it. And when they arrived, they had twin boys. And so the twin boys were going to sleep in the cot, and Christine kind of tongue-in-cheek said, oh, wow, may this, may this be prophetic. Um, and it turns out that that night was the 21st of December, and the 21st of December is when these boys were born. Um, so it's amazing how God just work, like just does things, and and quite often it's it's not so much what happens, but the timing of what happens. Um, I just think about the Israelites moving through the Red Sea. If they were a little bit too slow, and you know, it's just timing of how God just operates. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a, a children's story. Um, I know it in Afrikaans, so I'm going to try and, and, and translate it as we, as we go. But in, in Afrikaans, the, the character's name is, is Pinkanolsi. Anybody that knows Pinkanolsi? It's amazing. Max Lucado in English. Uh, what's his name? I want to say Geppetto. Um, it's almost something like it. Punchinello. Yes, and uh, yeah, amazing children's stories there, and it actually speaks to us as adults so powerfully. Every time, every time we read those stories to the children, it's like a whoa. Okay, there's just, just such gay, just so, so much in art. So just to give you a little bit of one, background of one of these stories is, so they like these, in Afrikaans they're called vemels. The characters are vemels. They are wooden, um, wooden people or wooden creatures created by Eli. 
Now, Eli is a person, and then he's, he's created these wooden characters. And uh, Punchinello is one of these characters, and they kind of live in this town, and they do all sorts of stuff in this town. And Punchinello is a bit of a is 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 more of a peculiar character in, in comparison to a lot of the others, but he's got this special connection with Eli, his creator. So most of the stories is regarding Punchinello and his how he relates to Eli. And in this specific story, the one one day one of the characters goes and they buy a ball. And he comes out, and he kind of plays with this ball, and, and somebody else notices the ball, and they're kind of like, oh, what's that? And it kind of almost it starts very innocently, and the next moment is, oh, I also want a ball, and he goes and buys two balls. And then it starts this whole kind of cycle within this little village of starting where they start competing about who's got the most balls. And then it progressed to boxes as well. Now, it's not only balls, it's also boxes. Who's got the most balls and boxes? And it's this balls and boxes kind of story. And Punchinello kind of falls into that same trap of wanting to try and be in with everybody else. And, and as the story kind of progresses, it's like, like I also want to be a good Vemel. And it kind of measures himself by that which he, which he has in comparison with the others. And he kind of eventually sells, he sells his bed, he sells his house just to get more boxes and balls. Uh, eventually, just as I think I, I've arrived, somebody changes the rules. And they're like, okay, so not, not, not more about how many boxes and balls you have, but how high can you stack them? Uh, or, and then they kind of climb a building, and then somebody just notices the hill at the back of the town. And now there's a race on to get to who's first to the top of this hill because then your boxes and balls will be the highest. And he kind of navigates his way through and he's now, now he's kind of chasing with his boxes and balls and can barely see because everything is like in front of him. And he kind of goes off the, the road up the hill and he then eventually um, can't see where he goes and then he stumbles over a doorstep, flat, flat face down, and everything just kind of scatters a bit. Imagine just the, like, oh, there his hopes and his dreams of being someone significant or having the most or being a good vemel in his society kind of comes crashing down. So, bringing it back to us a little bit. We, can you see the correlation of that story to our... Um, I, I probably, uh, it's, it's probably a story for all times, but especially for, for Joburg, especially for us, um, where we tend to fall into this rat race trap of I have to have this car, I have to have this house, I have to have two cars if I'm married, um, I have to keep up with the Joneses, per se. Anybody relate to that, or is it just me? Okay. And it's, and it's, it's a difficult thing to navigate, isn't it? So... But it's interesting also that my wife and I, we were kind of preparing for this together, and a couple of things that came out and what, what we realized is it tends to be different things for different generations. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, so it'll probably come around a bit. Um, but what, and you can go do a little bit of research regarding the baby boomers and the 
Generation X, Y, and Z, one of those, I think Generation Y is the millennials, which I'm a part of, um, and then Generation Z that comes after that, just have different tendencies, different pool of how we think and how, what, are, what are we drawn to, what are we not drawn to. And I would, and this is just a stab in the dog, this is not research, this is just a little bit my own experience. Baby boomers in the generation just before me, I can't remember what that one's name, are you in my generation or the one before? One before. <laughs> I wasn't going for a boxes and balls scenario, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, what was I saying? Oh, generations. That, that there, there was a tendency, the baby boomers was just post-war, post-World War II, and there's a lot of babies. There was make love, not war. Um, and so that kind of created a generation where war was on the decrease uh, and population was in the increase. But also in that generation time is future thinking started becoming very much the, the forefront of, uh, of, of what your priorities kind of make up. Is saving for one day, the retirement fund, pension fund, those things are all still good for those that are in, the, in my generation and more so for those day after, it is a good idea. It is a very good idea. Um, I can introduce you to some guys and brokers and stuff, all right. But that's not the point. Um, what is the point? Okay, generations have different tendencies and different pools to different things. Um, and in, what I find in my generation is that my generation and those after me is that we tend to be drawn almost less, not, it's not off the, off the radar at all, it's just we not only chase the possessions, but we tend to chase significance, purpose. Um, am I making a difference in this world? And, and, you, and you can pick it up also in the duration of how long did a generation stick to one job. Um, in, the, in the baby boomers, it was not uncommon to stay in your job for 40 to 50 years before you retired. You, anybody agree? Thank you. Um, today, like people are like, I'm there for two years and then kind of start getting jittery and then move on to the next thing. I'm not saying that one is right, the next other one is wrong. I'm just saying that it is a generational trend. But drawing it back to what are we drawn to is we tend to, in my generation and thereafter, tend to be more drawn to adventure, uh, going to go see the world. I'm not interested in the big house as long as I can travel. There's a few of you that I know it hits home for. Um, I'm not making eye contact with anybody. Um, and, there's, and there's nothing per se wrong with our stuff. It is just a matter of what do we prioritize? And the reason I highlight those things is just so that there's some things that you can relate to within your generational context. What is it that represents your boxes and balls that you would tend to be chasing after. It might even be comfort. Okay, it might just be I just want to I just want to settle down. I just want to I just want to have a family, and all those things are good and godly, as long as it's submitted unto God. All right, I'm going to read us a scripture. And the reason I share this story is so Punchinello is face down. He just fell over this doorstep. And he slowly but surely starts to realize where he is. There's familiar smells. There's, it, it feels kind of 
homey. He kind of feels at home, but yet he feels very careful, almost fearful. And he hears this voice, and it's Eli speaking. So he stumbled into Eli's house, and he hears Eli's voice. and says, Punchinello, it looks like you've been carrying a heavy load. And my question this morning is, is what heavy load are you carrying? Because it, there's, and, and just think about that for a moment as I just get the scripture for us. And there's an invitation this morning, I believe, and I'm going to, it's going to be a brief message, but I, I do want to pray with some people afterwards. Isaiah 55, there's two scriptures that I'm going to read for us this morning. And there's two scriptures that, are, that were very significant to Christine and I when we decided to go on a sabbatical that God came to speak to us about and from different, just confirming it from different places. So Isaiah 55, you can read with me. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it heals seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purpose for which I sent it. And verse 12 was specifically something that God spoke to us about multiple times. It says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, instead of the of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Now there's a lot of context there, which I am not going to try and unpack now, um, but I just want to highlight one or two things is that there's an invitation from God to each and every one of us to come to Him, to be with Him. And 
that doesn't mean that you need to move to Live Village like we did. That just means that there is a reprioritization of the Lord's presence in your life needs to rank first priority. And whatever you do, whatever work you do, how you engage with your family around you, how you engage with society around you, how you engage within a church context has to flow from a place of the presence of God. Let me bring it home a little bit more for us within a church setting. We can easily even fall into the trap of starting to compete with spiritual gifts within a, within a church context of um, look at me praying for this person, this person getting healed, what are you doing? Or on the other side, that person is praying for someone to get healed, they get healed, why am I not getting it right? And it becomes this, this thing. So wherever you commit to, even within a, in, a, in a ministry context, has to be not to please people around you. Yes, to bless them, to serve them. But it has to come from a place of obedience to God. And uh, yes, there, so it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that if you're working hard that you're carrying a heavy burden. It just means that God actually calls us to work hard. But when we yoke with Him, it just feels different. It doesn't press us down. It doesn't get to us too much. All right. Is there anybody else that has had a rough time in the last year? Can relate that, that, that you feel like, okay, so 20% of you. Um, all right. Um, a picture when we, when we, when we went that, that God had given to us about what he wants to do in us as a family and, and, uh, especially husbands, also just take note of this, and I'll unpack it a little bit for you now, is that what I tend to do within a ministry context is I would spend time with God, and then I would go and minister, either in India, or at foundations, or Bible school, or small group, or on a Sunday, and I would spend time with God, and I would go and give, right? It's good stuff, right? We call to do those types of things, right? But the problem is, it's a picture of my cup being filled and then it overflowing out there or to the congregation or to the students or wherever. And my family unit representing the saucer which the cup is supposed to be standing in kind of gets the leftovers if there's anything left. And God specifically called us out for a season, out of pulpit ministry for a season, in order to get that right. Where my cup overflows, or our cups overflow into our family unit, and our cup and saucer overflows into the community around us, whether it's church, whether it's society, whether it's work, whatever, is that there's a, just, just a reprioritization. You can see how subtly that happens. It's good stuff. I mean, God has called us to into community and 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 it is it, it yeah it is just so amazing how god has just come to to redo that and i want to just stand still just for a moment because with with husbands so ladies this is where you start praying um if you're not married then you take notes and you pray that into being for you for one day if god hasn't called you to be married then you pray for the other married 
people in the congregation. Um, and the thing is, one thing that I, that, that I struggled with within a family context is that I could, John Andrews spoke about this two years ago, uh, Dr. John Andrews, that was one of the convergence speakers. He, he talks about that sometimes, or so often, we can rock it on the front stage. You're on stage, we can, we can make it happen, we can look like we've got everything sorted, people kind of just see your best foot forward. And, uh, but people don't tend to see what's going on backstage, representing your own devotional time, your own family time. Um, but we all also know that if you are married or if you are in close proximity with anybody for a period of time, your, your not-so-best foot also comes forward from time to time, all right? You are slightly more exposed. And anyway, so for me, this last two years has been a working on the backstage journey. And one of those things is I've kind of tended to, to use the fact that I had, hadn't had an example or somebody hasn't taught me how as an excuse for not fulfilling the role that God has called me to fulfill within my marriage. Um, where on the pulpit, in Bible school, on missions, in so far we are... We, are relatively good at modeling something, teaching somebody else to do it, and then sending them to go and do that, right? But it's slightly more difficult to do that in depth for you to go and work that out in your marriage concept. It's only that far that the pastor can help you, okay? He, unless he comes and stays with you for a couple of years, it's going to be quite tricky. Okay, so I was forced to just Buckle down, sit with God, and say, God, how do I do this? And just a couple of things. If, if there are maybe only one person here that relates with this, then this, this will change your marriage. This will change your life going forward, okay? And it is actually not rocket science. It is taking all of the basics of the gospel, taking the, go- taking the basics of what your own devotional time is or should look like, and just applying that in a, family con- in a family context. Take the Word, read it. Read it out loud. If you struggle to read, put it on an audio player and chat about it afterwards. Um, so one thing that we try to do, Christine and I, that we start prioritizing is reading Scripture to our children on a very regular basis. For some reason, Elaine, our oldest, she loves Leviticus. Um, I, I don't know whether she loves it that much just because it takes so long to get through, but she's a, she's a if, if you've done the Tall Trees profile and the parenting course, etc., she's a sirboom, a, a lollipop, very analytical, very detailed, um, very black and white, and I, th- I guess that's why Leviticus kind of talks to her. Because Leviticus is, is very detailed, very law, very black and white. And uh, it's amazing to see how the questions that just by reading Scripture, how questions, just the children just naturally ask questions. You know those why questions? It just, it just naturally comes. You actually don't need a curriculum um, as a father or as a mother to do this at home. You can just take Scripture, read it. 
Okay, another very basic thing that we started doing is once a week we've started having like family devotion kind of nights. Um, and we're still growing in this, so we haven't, uh, we st- we're still kind of working on this. But where we give everybody around the table a, a chance to share what has been your highlights of this week. What are you thankful for? And what has been a little bit difficult this week? And uh, yeah, the order there needs to change sometimes because sometimes if, if Amy Louise goes after Elaine, then it's very often the same. Um, so we have to kind of mix it up a, a little bit. But it's amazing. And then also just worshiping together. Um, get the songs from Trevor and Sharon or the Kids Church team. And stretch for some of you. You have to stretch before you do some of these songs with, them, with your children. Um, and, and just dance with your children. They come alive. Get from Trevor and Sharon or the Kids Church team, what have you done on Sunday? And just do it during the week again. Just kind of rehash that. You don't have to go and reinvent the wheel regarding this. And for some, I'm hoping, bless you, Kun. Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, so for some, it's, you are already doing this, and you can kind of testify to the fact, yes, this, this works in my family. Um, and for others, it's like, why? Why, the, why, wow. why didn't I think about that? It can be that basic. And then just praying with your wife, or praying with somebody close to you. But the power that there is an agreement yeah, unity, Justin's saying about unity is a little bit different context, but just um, the power that there is in unity and in agreement, and there's no other person on this planet which you, apart from Jesus, that, that you have the covenant you have than what you have with your spouse. And if you two can be in agreement and in unity, there is a lot of power in that. There's a couple of testimonies like that, which I don't have time to share now, but where Christine and I pray about one thing, and then within a week's time, it's, it, it, things change um, in an individual's context, as well as just our, in our lives as well. And it does amazing for the stability of your own relationship, for your own marriage, is praying together, worshiping together, reading the Word together. Um, don't feel like you have to know everything, what everything means in there. Just be open with, oh, with God and say, God, just come and show us what is it that you are saying in the Scripture. And then you just talk about it. Amanda, can you, is this a good takeout for some of you? Is this where some of the wives need to just not, just not somebody? Okay, with that, just make sure everybody around you is awake. Okay. So whether it is that whether you relate to that part or whether you relate to other things that are really just pressing you down, weighing you down, um, what is it that you feel that is weighing you down? What is, what is the heavy load that you tend to carry? And we, yes, there's legitimate, I don't want to say legitimate worries, there's legitimate concerns that we should have. Okay? We as husbands, we should look after our families. One thing that God specifically came to me to talk to me about is to be the prophet, the king, and the priest in my household. Okay? Don't have time to unpack all of that. Come and do marriage prep or come and make it any problem. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's a role that God has called us to step into. 
And, and, and same with the wife. There's, there's a certain role that, that God has called our, the, the woman to, to fulfill in our marriage. I can see these two that are engaged. They, they're about to do this marriage prep thing. Or are you, Have you started yet? Not. Have you done it? Awesome. So they, see, see, they're fresh out of this revelation part. <laughs> um, no nudging going on. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just want to, gents, really just want to emphasize the fact that, that God has called us for that. Just as a side note here, last side note hopefully, is so since I've been, or we went to live February last year, been there a couple of months, and then they asked the, the financial manager to resign. They asked me whether I'll, be the, whether I'll take over the financial manager role. So we've just kind of towards the end of our financial audit at the moment. We tried to actually finish it up before the end of August, but delayed a bit. So it spilled over into my time here in Joburg. So I've been working on the consolidated financial statement. Some of you are like, what? It's okay. Um, go to a thin-striped person in the church. They're normally the financial guys. Um, <laughs> And, and asked him, what is it that the guy, that guy said? Um, anyway, consolidated financial statements. And as I was preparing for this, I wrote down prophet, priest, and king, but I wrote down prophet with an F. P-R-O-F-I-T. Um, anyway, so this. If you didn't get that, just ask somebody that laughed afterwards. All right. Okay, here's a couple of helpful questions just before I get to the last, the last scripture. Okay, what are you living for right now? Okay, think about it. What are you living for right now? What are you aiming for? Okay, what is your priorities? And there's nothing wrong with studying something. It's a temporal thing, but if it's in line with God's call in your life, then it is an eternal thing. Amen. So, I can kind of, if I had to step into your world, and I would say, show me, your, show me what you do with your finances, show me what you do with your time, and I will show you what is your priorities. Okay, what do you do with your time? What do you do with your finances? If you're, if, yeah, just prioritize your life within, within God's priorities. Okay, back Back to Punchinello's story, just in conclusion of his story. Eli asks him, why do you have all of these boxes and balls? And he says, I thought it would make me happy, feel important, and make me a good vemel. And Eli kind of calls him and he shows, he says, come have a look here, and he shows him out of the window, and he gives them a picture of what all the other people are busy scrambling around with. And they're kind of fighting and falling over themselves, and they're trying to get up this hill. And he says, do they look happy to you? And the obvious answer was obviously no. But Eli says to him, says, even though you lost everything, you are still special. You are not special because of what you have, but because of who you are. And you are mine. And I love you. And we could easily substitute that part of, in this story, um, where it says, um, not of what you have. We can also say, not because of what you do. It's not because of what you do. It's not because of what you have. 
that makes us significant, that doesn't make us more loved or less loved. It is whether we are, whether we are God's children or not. And if we live out of that place, it is a game changer. Amen. Okay, let me read this last scripture to you. I'm going to read it in two translations. Um, I'm reading this first one out of the message translations. Also, just at the time when we went on sabbatical, this is what God just so just beautifully just repainted it a little bit. Very well-known scripture. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Just going to pause there for a moment. Do you see that he says there, not necessarily work for me. He says they work with me. Okay, meaning God's presence with you wherever you go. Okay, whatever work you do, you do it in yoking with Jesus. Okay, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me read it in the, other, in, in the ESV as well. It says, come to me, the one that we are more familiar with. Come to me, all who labor on a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay. Let's all stand as, we, as I pray for us. So it doesn't take an accountant nor a prophet <laughs> to know that this relates to all of us at some point in our lives. And so I'm going to pray a prayer that relates to all of us. But I do want to extend the invitation to, somebody, to anybody that does want specifically prayer into your specific situation afterwards. Okay, so when we kind of disperse and we... We, we go our ways. I, I'm going to linger a little bit. I want to, we'll be here. There'll be a few people to, to pray with you, to pray specifically into if there's something that is specific to your situation, which you also just can't figure out. How do I, how do I change this? How do I get out of this? How do I offload this? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that, that you are the one that paid the price on the cross for us so that we do not have to carry a heavy load. Jesus, we realize that even after we've, we've come into a relationship with our Creator, with you, that we tend to fall into the trap of running after 101 other things because, either because we think that that is what is expected of us or that is just what the world dictates to us. That's what our boss says. That's what, this is how we grew up. Lord, this morning we just want to come and reprioritize our lives. And we want to heed the invitation to come, to come to you.
We want to come and sit at the foot of the cross of Jesus and learn how to take a real rest. We want to learn from you, work with you. We want to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Grace that both gives us rest, but also enables us to go and do what you call us to do on a daily basis. And Lord, where we get worried about our country, about our family, about our relationships, about our own brokenness, about the world's brokenness, we want to come and just unpack that at the foot of the cross this morning. We say thank you that you've taken all of our sins and you've taken all of our pain and our guilt and our shame and there's an invitation to leave it there. Just as everybody's eyes are closed, there's, there's perhaps one or two people here that, is, that are still carrying the burden of your own sin. Where you've actually not experienced the forgiveness of the Father. We've not brought your own guilt, your own shame, and we have not actually taken that free gift of salvation and given your sin to God and received the forgiveness that there is available within the cross of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and George was saying, um, you know, show me your, what you spend your money and your time on and I'll show you what the focus of your life is. And... Um, I'm going to ask that we could take up the offering in a moment. So Maritza, if, you, if you're ready with that. But what the offering is, is the token. We don't give all our money to God, but we give a portion of it that say, Lord, I give this as a token that actually all that I have belongs to you. But uh, we, we, while we do that, while we, we're giving the offering, I want us to do the same with our time. Because I think, I, I just sense that, that the Lord wants to challenge us on a very practical level. Um, he says, come to me. You know, like little, what was his name? The character in the story, Pacinello. We have to come to our creator. We have to make time to actually come to our creator. So, so when you drop your offering in, in the offering bag, I actually want you to pray about it and say, okay, Lord, I sense that for all of us, there's a specific time that God also wants to, us to give as a token. Just as we're giving the offering as a token to Him, saying all of that we have belongs to you. So there's a specific time He wants to give us to give to Him as a token and say, Lord, I'm giving this time as a token to you. This is time I'm going to dedicate to you every day. But as a token that all of my time belongs to you. And I'm giving it to you as an offering and I'm going to spend that time with you. Maybe with your family. Maybe it's, it's a family time that you, that, that you need to give. So I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment and just say, God, what is the time that you want to give me to give to you as a token? And, and don't overcommit. Don't you know, say, I'm going to give two hours in the morning when you know that's not realistic and you won't be able to do it. Rather start with 15 minutes or, or 20 minutes or whatever the Lord lays on your heart. But say, Lord, I'm giving this time. I'm co- consecrating it to you. And, and as I give my offering, I'm going to give this time to you as well as an offering thanks to ashes can take up the offering and then I want you to see it as something sacred and say Lord I'm, I'm really giving this time to you as an offering thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg may the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good for more information and sermons please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com